Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to the Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name is Jeff Thomas, one of the co-hosts of the program, and we have a very special guest with us today, my old friend, John Putnam. John, say hello to the people. Hello, people. It's great, it's great to be here with you, buddy. Likewise. And, we go uh, way back. We do go way back, early 2000s. Man, I got so many stories. We do uh, have some uh, stories. We could just sit here and tell <laughs> stories, but I really want everybody listening to uh, kind of get to know you and what you're doing now. John is a uh, strategic coach that is helping faithful stewards wisely win the unique challenges of wealth and success. And if you don't quite know what that means, you're about to find out. So, John, <laughs> thanks again for being here. As I said, we do go way back. One of the things, I have to tell one story. I can't not. All right. I have to tell one story. All right. I get I get time for rebuttal. Yeah, you get, uh, okay. we're going to give you most of the air time. But okay. I'm just going to tell one John Putnam story, which is we were in this Kingdom Advisor coaching program way back when in the early 2000s. And uh, I was working on this thing where I was addicted to my scorecard button <laughs> at the big firm. And it would tell me where I ranked every morning within the global organization at, at Morgan Stanley. Not that no, you're no, no, I don't, I don't. It's not that I had a problem. No, no, we're not calling it that. But I, you know, you were helping me as my accountability buddy switch my focus habits. Yeah. And you challenged me, and this really helped me. I actually put this in uh, in my book about not touching that button for a month. But, you know, as most addictions, you have to generally replace the behavior, hopefully with something more healthy. That's the key. And uh, so I got this little notebook, and I started writing down meaningful conversations I had with clients. And, uh, and that became my new scorecard. And I would get really excited if I just asked them anything, you know, anything meaningful, where they went to church. Did they like to give away money, you know, actually pray with them, something like this. And uh, these were new habits for me. But actually, after that month, it really helped. And uh, kind of broke that addiction and gave me a new path. And that was really, you had a key part in that. And we've frankly been friends ever since. So anyway, thanks for letting me share that. But you're now coaching a lot of these families. We were just before we started recording, kind of telling some stories about people we've been meeting with and what these needs are of these families who've been financially blessed and they want to be generous. And of course, you know, this is the Generous Business Owner Podcast. We have lots of business owners listening to this who, you know, God has put it in their heart to be generous, but actually working that out can be tricky. And one of the things you and I were talking about was there's, there can be some hurdles to generosity uh, and some pain points. So let's start there. Yeah. I think it's a great place to start because look, I love working in this space. Jeff, so good being here with you. Thank you. Love what you're doing on Generous Business Owner Podcast. It's just ministering to so many and encouraging so many. So thank you and your partners um, so much for doing this. You know, families who over the years, you know, I've, I've sat in your seat for a couple of decades and then spent another, another decade leading an NCF office in the Carolinas and now being a strategic coach for families and leaders and teams has been really special. But, you know, what I've, what I've found is we, we just keep seeing a lot of families that are wrestling with some of the same 
kind of situations. And so we started paying attention a couple of years ago, and then I sort of pitched it to the board. I said, hey, we're sort of seeing these patterns are coming up more and more. What do you think about spinning out something that doesn't have any product attached to it, not even a donor advice fund, just to come alongside these families, their teams, and to help them explore the opportunities and the tensions around wealth and faith and success? Well, they, we, we prayed about it. We talked about it. We decided to do it. And, and let me first start off by saying something real quick. We talk about opportunities and tension. It's not always negative, right? These are always poor opportunities or challenging opportunities or challenging tensions. A lot of time, it's a lot of some very good opportunities. And we were just chatting before we got on. I mean, sometimes, you know, when people have to say no. Yeah. It's really hard to do, especially when it's an opportunity that five years ago, the family would have jumped at the chance. Or maybe they did. did. And now all of a sudden they realize that there are bigger, there's there's a bigger vision. There's a clearer mission of where they want to go and that no longer fits. So to have the courage to be able to say no and uh, and to focus is so strong. But so this, so this idea of the opportunities and challenges. A lot of times it's positive opportunity that can create tension. Now, look, we're all familiar with the real kind of challenging tensions, right? Yeah. So, and we deal with some of those as well. Family dynamics. Is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, it could be, it could be family dynamics, but a lot of there are some of these three areas that we were just talking about, because a lot of times you've got these business owners and families who are very generous, which is fantastic, but there are some stumbling blocks. There are some barriers in the way. And and I said thought, well, hey, why don't we talk about some of the some of these issues that get in the way yeah. of some of this deep transformational kind of generosity where people are having an impact that they never dreamed they could have this side of heaven and they're capturing tax efficiencies and advantages so many people didn't even know was available okay. to them. You sort of hit that, all of a sudden people get interest. Look, the first one of the first barriers I bump into is just a barrier of awareness. You know, so often there is there's wealth, there's business ownership, there are assets. And over a lifetime, these have a tendency to grow. Yeah. And it's as we were told. Back in the early 2000s, it's that paradox of prosperity. We thought it would be easier than this, but the more wealth you have, the more choices you have, life automatically becomes more complex. One of the things we say, John, I think you're right on the money. One of the things we say is, you know, a lot of people maybe who are aspiring to have more wealth think that the wealth is going to solve their problems. And a lot of times it just creates more. Yes. And then the other thing we often say is, you know, at some point in, in a lot of the people we're dealing with or running businesses or this kind of thing in the business, you know, they're pretty good at doing, you know, mission, vision, values, strategic plan, all of that. They even do team building mm-hmm. inside the company. And then, frankly, I raise my hand as guilty. Go home and pass out on the couch. <laughs> okay, And we don't do so much. At home, and yet over time, the personal balance sheet 
becomes another business to run. Does that make sense? It can feel like it. Yeah. It can really feel like it sometimes. So I feel like maybe the picture I'm getting is that you can help maybe address some of that at home also. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, back when I was sitting in your seat, this was, this was over a decade ago yeah. for two, two decades as a CFP and, a, and now CKA as well. You know, we started, we started seeing, you know, so many of these, of these patterns that are happening around wealth and success. And we deal with the business side so often, but we started seeing the personal side. So when I was running my practice, I was dealing in this personal and business planning space. It was the, it it was the combination of both of those because you'd never run your business without a clear vision, a mission to get there and the right values and culture in your business. So often we lead our families, we operate our families without some of those. And look, creating the vision, mission values, it's important. And there's some people out there who do it really, really well. And I, and I help with that as well. But the, the interesting thing though, is, is actually making it and right. that's getting back to the awareness piece because there's a lot out there these days about mindset that we have, you know, 50, 60,000 thoughts a day in our minds, right? It's a, it, it's a blizzard and there's, you know, a hundred billion neurons. My pastor made a comment. He said that there are more, now I haven't fact checked my pastor, but he's a fact check guy. Yeah. <laughs> he said that there's more electrical impulses in the neurons in your brain in one day than in all of the cell phones in the world. Wow. Say it backwards. Wow. <laughs> I'm telling you. So you think about how God made us, yeah. these 60,000 thoughts. Now start thinking about some of the issues you're having to deal with. And when you're trying to pull out that one snowflake, you can't find it yeah. in the blizzard. You're, it's, it, you're, it's white out. So what I try to do with this wealth awareness piece is, what if we can actually slow down the snowfall? We've all been in those beautiful, slow snowfalls with the big flakes that just seem to float down. Now, there's still a lot in the sky, yeah. but it's so slow that you can literally pick out the snowflake from the sky and watch it all the way down. And if you choose to, you can catch it in your hand. That's what we're trying to do is trying to create an awareness of what really is available? I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah. I was in a conversation with a couple and, you know, my, my process is real simple. And it starts out with the, dis- with discovery, then we move into strategy and then we move into code. It's super clear. We're in some, in discovery conversation and we're just talking, they're talking about some of their wealth and where it is. And the comment came up, well, we still have that CD. I don't know. I think we got rid of it. Pretty sure we cashed it in. I don't think we cashed it in. Are you sure? I don't know. And they're back and forth for about 60 seconds. And I said, well, if I may ask, is, is this, is it material? I mean, do we need to write it down? And they sort of looked at each other puzzled and they went, well, yeah, I mean, it's probably a hundred and some grand now. And I'm going, okay, that's meaningful, right? But life had gotten so busy with the deals and the businesses and the stuff, we almost lose an awareness of what God's really put in our hands. And so often we've got this low hanging fruit around us that we realize that they, you don't need it and they can just deploy it in generosity or they bring it into the mission and vision. So this wealth awareness piece 
is really, really important. And, but some people have that down pat, right? They've got all their assets. They've got a family office. They've got all this. And that's not one of their issues that gets in the way. Getting organized feels like. Yeah, there's enough, yeah, right. Yeah, just yeah. get, but a lot of people don't, don't deal. No, no, they don't. Yeah, it's not a barrier to some people. They've got it locked and loaded. Or I'm thinking a lot of people who are running this business still, you know, some people have cashed out. They're trying to figure out what to do. But I think there's a lot of people walking down the street listening to this that are still running the company and that consumes them. Yes. And so a lot of the personal stuff, nobody's really, you know, they don't know where it all is. Yes. They're occupied by the business. Well, the, and the other piece, the awareness piece is one person may know exactly where everything is, but sometimes there's a spouse that doesn't know where everything okay, is. Okay. Now this is important. So this so, is probably a good segue into uh, risk number two. Perhaps. Yeah, which now we're starting one of the other issues that we see that can get in the way of generosity that causes some tensions, but both in a positive and negative way is this idea of wealth alignment. One of the conversations I hear all the time is, John, my spouse and I just aren't on the same page. And I'm not sure our kids and I are on and us are on the same page. I'm not even sure we're on the same page with my advisor team. And oh, by the way, I'm not even sure that my advisor team <laughs> Or on the same page with each other. With each other. Ah, ah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people yeah. not on the same page. Yeah, yeah, a lot of pages. That's right. That's right. And, and if y'all can, y'all can't see this on the podcast, but for Jeff, it looks like it's getting a little hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're right. Look, this issue of, of alignment is important because we know that God is a God of clarity. Yeah. That's where awareness comes in. We know that God is a God of unity. He wants us to be one, two becoming one, and the family to be, to have that alignment around us. The spouses aren't on the same page. How in the world are the kids going to be on the same page? Where the I mean, correct. You got to get that right. Correct. And this isn't easy. I mean, I, oh, no. I, mean I, I don't hear this as like, oh, well, just do this. Just do these three things and in a week you'll be fine. But this is, sometimes this has been happening for years and years and years, and it takes a little while to turn the ship and get it back on track. And that's okay. That's why a lot of times creating the mission, the billions of mission, vision of values, it's so important. Yes. What I really find it important is how many times in the business do we, ha- do we see the dusty strategic plan sitting on the shelf? Because making it the easy part, execution is the difficult part. So how do you execute these plans inside your family to make sure that you're capturing alignment with each other and with your kids or with, you know, gen one, gen two, gen three. So maybe sometimes it's with mom and dad as well. And then with advisors, getting everybody on the same page because you'd never run your business without your executive team and your advisors being on the same page and rowing the boat in the same direction. This is so interesting. We, we literally had this conversation yesterday with a family and it, it, this, keep, this keeps recurring. And so this is just on my mind and I'm interested in your take on this. So what often happens is, you know, we're dealing with these families, both of us, that where the net worth is generally increasing, it's getting more complex, and they usually have adult children who do have some level of aligned values, you know, in different mm-hmm. levels. But a lot of them are busy with their own families, the kids are. And so the matriarch and patriarch, if they can get on the same page, they often want the kids to be maybe more involved than the kids would like to be. Yeah. Do you run into that much? Sure. In, in dealing with that, right? Just even a meeting of the minds of how involved do you want to be in the general? Absolutely. And where does it make and where does it make sense? 
one of the, I know sometimes, a lot of times families like to get together on holidays and have family meetings. Right. And, and look, if it works, that, that's great. But I think so often we lose, we lose the joy of just the ministry of a family being together. Just being a family with, without uh, having to have a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> right? right? And just playing cards and board games, right. sitting in your pajamas and watching old movies. That could and be winning. Walking on the beach. You know, it, it is it winning. It is winning. It is winning. Yes. And sometimes we just need to capture the ministry of the moment instead of trying to bring in a meeting from the side and trying to, trying to be too efficient. Yeah. Because, and sometimes we need to redefine success. We work with this with families a lot. They're so, they, they have a picture in their mind of what this should look like. Everybody should be joyful. Everybody should be so happy that they're there. We're at this beautiful resort. We're Equal doing all this. Yeah, the same thing is all, this is all great. <laughs> and, Unanimity. And all of a sudden it's like, but everybody's not being right. a Because God's doing different things in people's lives. Exactly. And look, when the, if you have that kind of environment, fantastic. Right. But if not, if it's hard to get the family in one place, if you've got four kids and two are very difficult because of the phase of life that they're in, it's okay if they come in via Zoom. Right. Or if they just listen on the phone, just the fact there's togetherness can look very different. Yeah. So just try to keep the big thing is sometimes we need to redefine success as we're creating alignment. Yeah. Okay. Now there's a third pain. What is the third? Yeah. This one is one that probably comes up. This is one that's felt more than, more than the other. Sometimes a little more obvious. And that is one of wealth preparation. A lot of times we think about this as, as, the, as, a, as the heirs of a family. And it can be. It can be. So if you've got a generation that owns a business, it can be the heirs. And the concern is, are they prepared for this? Sometimes I, I say, I love that question. Before we get to them, let's start with you. Are you prepared for this? Are you prepared for what is getting thrown at you? Because the fact that you have it doesn't mean that you've mastered it. Yeah. So let's just, let's just take a moment and make sure that we've got proper preparation set up here because the world's going to throw things at you. You're going to have opportunities coming across the transom. And the more generous you are, the more you're known to be generous, opportunities are not going to slow down. Success breeds success. More people are going to be asking questions and what at one time in the early stages with very joyful generosity. I think sometimes an enemy can creep in and start stealing some of the joy away because it feels sort of tactical and now you're bombarded and now it doesn't feel fun anymore and you start trying to rethink it and and then it, you can start sort of holding off and closing down and that's, I don't think that's what God wants either. So, So this idea of being prepared not only personally, either, and if you're not married as an individual, but, but if you are married as a couple and if, you, and if you're fortunate enough to have kids as a family, what does that preparation look like, both with the current generation and with future generations, so that they're best prepared for what the world is going to throw out of us? Well, so many times we're ill-equipped and we're unprepared. And you throw on top of that, we're a little uncomfortable talking about it. It just creates a situation where it gets very difficult to create that unity and clarity that we know God's looking for. So we started with kind of an awareness 
uh, uh, you know, and trying to get clarity there. And then we're trying to get alignment and to, to get to a place of unity. And then we're trying to get prepared. Is this third place where that filter really becomes most important? Because you're talking about as things are coming at you and having a no filter. Is that where it kind of fits in? Is is that kind of the solve for the preparation piece? It, it can be. I mean, I, I mean, sometimes having a filter for the opportunity so you know how to identify. You know, they, they tell the story back on the old Navy ships. It may still be that way, but, you know, they had certain, only a certain size of potato could go in the French fry machine. So in every one, they had to sort of, they were trying to take each one and fit it in the machine before they would figure it out. And they said, well, what if we just build a little model? So they just built a little thing of these, these little hole in them. And if the potato went through, they threw it in the, and if it didn't, they used it for something else. So they created the filter. So it quickly identified at least the set of potatoes, the set of opportunities that the family would consider. Then you build out the process about how do they go about thinking about those. We had a, I was at one of these years ago, I was at one of these, you know, breakfast for a ministry kind of fundraiser deals, got there a little early, was sitting at the same table with another guy who got there a little early and, you know, we just struck up a conversation with him and he had just gotten the CEO job of a big public energy company here in Houston. And so I said, well, we're sitting here talking about ministry stuff. I said, what nonprofit things are you involved in? You know, just making conversation. Yeah. And he goes, he starts chuckling and he goes, well, I'm on nine different boards. And I said, well, you, I said, that's a lot, first of all. And I said, you might share on what they are. And so he told me what they all were, and they all started with the word energy. This energy is such and such thing. And he goes, I know, it sounds ridiculous. And I go, he goes, I said, how'd that happen? He goes, well, I got the job, and they all started calling, and I didn't know how to say no. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, I, man, we got to work on that. But, but it's not uncommon, you know? It's he's not, it's he's not trying uncommon. to help people yeah how do you those yeah but how do you get there? and how do you say no how do you say no with love and sometimes Correct. and sometimes it's it's pausing for a moment to help solve and in act six it talks about choosing the seven where the disciples are just crushing it man the, the church is growing they're on the move they they come to a, a town i'm paraphrasing yeah and they come to a town they realize there are widows of people in the town that weren't being part of the feeding program that to help out with the widows and they decided, they said, well, look, why don't you solve that? And the disciples said, no, no, we can't stop. I think the word in the Bible said, we can't, it would be almost remiss to stop and wait on tables when our work is waiting for us. In other words, our vision is out there. But what they did is they paused for a moment, helped the, the town solve the problem. I chose the seven leaders to make sure they were, the widows were going to get taken care of. Got a bit, and then the disciples went on. And the church just continued to grow. So they didn't like just say no and abandon. They said, yes, we see the problem. And they felt led at the time to sort of say, let's help you solve it. So sometimes it's a, hey, look, I'm your, thank you so much for the invitation, but you know, I've, I've already got my plate here. However, tell me what the role is like, because I might have, and I, let me think about it. And maybe there's a different way to help them resolve that because if you're not the right person for that board seat and you know it, you're taking somebody's place that would love it. And then is, that is their sweet spot. Exactly. And you don't want to take their spot. 
because there may be another opportunity coming along up where God wants you. So again, but that's the part of preparation as well, just being aware. So when these things come, yeah. you're better suited for what the world is going to throw at you. So maybe this would be a good time to shift to kind of, and I know before we started recording, because we know each other so well, I don't think you give yourself enough credit for this. for making, I think, kind of complicated things simple. Uh-huh. But, you know, you're like, oh, well, this is very simple. We just do these sort of three things in the process of getting to these solves. But you mentioned it earlier, discovery, strategy, and coaching. But can you kind of walk us through what are some of the components of each of those? Yeah, absolutely. So this is this can be highly customized, but in general, you know, we'll take a discovery day and we'll look at the past, we'll look at the present, we'll look at the future, we'll identify the we'll, and we'll we'll use that information and we will harvest all of the opportunities that, that need to be dealt with and then identify because everything's not weighted the same way, E-I-G-H-T, not weighted the same way. And so often, you know, when you're, it's, it's sort of like when you look at a budget and you're looking at all your expenses, all the expenses are not created equally. Same here. All opportunities are not created equally. Some are more important than others. And you can't do them all at once. Now, friend Michael Hyatt says all the time that so many times we overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and we underestimate what we can accomplish in three. In other words, we try to do too much too quickly. And we wind up saying, I guess we're not just, we're not, I guess we're just not good at these fi- family financial goals or this family, this, this family stuff that we're trying to do here. But it couldn't be further from the two. They're just trying to do too much. So the first is, is discovery. Then the second is once we have discovery, now we sort of know where we're headed. Now we start getting a little bit clearer vision of where we want to go, or maybe the family already has a vision and a mission. Or we have some, or, or we have the values. And this is a great place to pause just for a moment, because so often people want to start with strategy, without being clear of where they're oh, of where they are. You would never start a trip without first identifying where you are, because you don't even know the first turn to make. So identifying where you are first, and then moving into strategy. But there's a piece in between. Bob Buford was a was a mentor and a friend of mine. Peter Drucker told him once, and Drucker said this, and it's, I'm sure it's in many of his books. And that's attributed to Drucker's, my understanding. But Drucker said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Perfect. So if, if the culture of the family is in a difficult place and you try to start adding a lot of extra objectives in for a family, don't be surprised if it's difficult for it to stick because it's just because if the culture is not right, it's very difficult and not impossible to make strategy work. So the strategy piece then gets into, if you sort of looked over my shoulder in a conversation, you may say, well, John's using different words and he's probably fa- phrasing this a little more, a little more softly, but that feels a lot like strategic design or strategic planning. So it's a simplified version just to help people get clear and build out a plan of where they're going. What are their, what are their goals? What are their projects? What are the tasks? What needs to be done? Who's going to do what? And try to set some general timeframes on it. And then the last piece is the piece that's usually missing. Yes. Execution, right? Yeah. It's usually not a poor plan. It's usually poor execution. Right. Because when you get into it, 
the plan is only a plan. The strategy is only the strategy. As soon as, as soon as you get into it, something's going to change and you're going to have to pivot. So when you pivot, having a coach around to help with that and to help help create success and make it a reality has proven to be very beneficial to these families and help with some quick wins, help build some positive momentum in the as they're sort of navigating these opportunities and tensions around wealth and success and in the context that just came to mind. I, this probably this may be out of left field, but I was just thinking about, you know, the old Mike Tyson line. Everybody has a plan until they get hit in the face. Yeah. And I'm thinking yeah, yeah. of like you being the corner man where he's like stumbling back to the corner. I mean, he won a lot. So maybe not so much for him, but maybe his opponents get punched in the face and they're stumbling back to the corner. Like, we had a plan, coach. What do we do now? Coach John. Yeah. Or you, or you just keep getting thrown back in, right? Yeah, keep your left up yeah. and get back out there, you know? And, uh, so, so we have, you know, our sort of three pain points, getting the things to get in the way. You might just share in a story, obviously. We don't need names, but just maybe a little before and after picture to give people an idea of, of what this can look like. Look, the simplest before and after mm-hmm. picture is, is just having, is just having so many variables, opportunities, intentions, and there's just so much going around. It's hard to figure out what to do first. Yeah. And I don't mean to oversimplify this, but so often success is just having the courage to say, this is what we're going to do. This is our plan to get there. And we're going to take this step and have the confidence in that. And again, I know it sounds so simple. It's hard to get there. Yeah. I mean, if you've got 20 opportunities to decide, I'm going to start with these three. Yeah. And it's likely that half of these I'm going to let go. And we'll focus on these three. I will start with this one. And I will start with these steps and have the confidence and courage to do that. Because I feel that's where, we, that's where God wants to take us. We bring a lot of prayer into this process. I love Oswald Chambers' quote where he says that prayer isn't preparation for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. We have a lot of prayer into this. We rely on God's truth. In it, and we just trust that He'll show up in a big way and give the family wisdom and discernment and guidance as we're figuring out. So the way we always close this podcast is by asking, this is just a bunch of business owners talking to their friends about issues that generous business owners have, and we just get to record it. So this is so fun to do with you. It is fun. Thank you. But we, we always end it with just, and I think this is the perfect place where this sort of funnel is coming down. Right. And, and we always just say, okay, somebody's walking on the treadmill, listen to this at the gym, you know, and, uh, and they're like, okay, this is a lot. I'm identifying with some of this. Where do I start? What is one thing I can do tomorrow to take one step toward being more effective in this area of generosity? What, what would, what would that first step be? Well, since, since we're talking about some of the barriers and some of the items that can get in the way of growing in your generosity, because many of these families are already generous. So they, no, I want to point that out. Yet. But if they want to grow in their generosity, sometimes there are a few of these things that are getting in the way. The first thing I would recommend is just take a moment and, any, and just make a list 
of everything that is sort of happening in your world, both the positive opportunities, the negative opportunities, the positive tensions, the negative tensions. Just write them all down and spend some time in prayer over those about where should I be spending my time? Look, some of these, some of these tensions are meant to be eliminated. Some can be eliminated. Some can be resolved. Take some time to resolve them. And some may just need to be managed. That they're, they're always going to be around. And that's okay. Like if you're running a business, the, 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 the responsibilities you have as a business owner, responsibilities you have of, of dealing with of your children, you know, there are some tensions that are just there. They're, they're going to need to be managed. They're not going to go away. So it's not like you can just get rid of everything I don't want to do and just do what I just do exactly what I want to do. It sounds like kind of start with the awareness piece. Like just, just be honest with yourself about the challenges and what's in front of you so that you can start slowing down those snowflakes. Is that it's hard to solve a problem that you haven't identified that. Well, John, this has been a lot of fun. It's great to see you. Always good to be with you. And uh, thanks so much for being with us. Great being with you. True pleasure. Thanks for all you're doing for so many. And just appreciate the work that you and Jeff and Alan are doing here. And just a real blessing. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.